you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Well, hey, everybody. This is Melissa. And this is Dane. And I'm glad to be doing this with you again, Dane. I've done a number of interviews. And yeah, it's also nice to be home, huh? Yeah. We yeah. love Colorado. Yeah, we do. Really good. We love both of our homes, but this is always our true home, getting here to the ranch. Thank you to Gabe and Amanda. They took great care of the place for the month of April while we were gone. And we managed to get home just in time when the snow stopped and it's starting to get warmer. I know. No, no, no shovel and snow. <laughs> and greener. Yeah. yeah. We did it pretty well. Cheryl, who works for me, always says, will you hurry up and get back so we can get done with this bad weather? So I guess we bring good weather here. I don't know. So we returned home and I got to see Halo, our newest healing herd member. And I will say that Scott, who rides horses for me, was not very impressed with Halo's training. Halo has a kind of a basic education, not really a fancy education in any way. Sort of like me, right? Yeah, sort of like you. (laughs) Good looking, but not a real high education level. (laughs) Oh God, you're so funny. But uh, so Scott's going to be working with Halo to kind of bring him along for that. So I had my fingers and my toes crossed that during the core, because we had our first core training here starting Wednesday, that during the core, Halo would pick up on the work that we do. And he did. He did phenomenally. He worked two days. He worked a total of five different what we call pieces of work in Gestalt and was really brilliant. So it was a lot of fun, I think, for the students to see a horse that had never touched the work pick up on it so quickly and do such a great job. So we're really happy with him. This is the first time that I've heard that Halo was a boy. Oh, for God's sake. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There are times, even though he carries hay and he feeds them and he does all this stuff, there are times when I show him a picture of a horse and I say, who is this? And he doesn't know. He'll say, well, they're all kind of black and white. I'm like, oh boy, that's bad. So Halo is a boy. That's good. Halo is a gelding. Yes. He's a nine-year-old gelding. Come on now. You've been with me a long time. Oh, yeah. I know all that mess. What, yeah. what breed of horse is he? He's a, uh, let's see, Gypsy Vanner. Yeah, you saved yeah. yourself. You saved yourself. That's good. Sad, sad, sad cowboy. So I came right into some private clients, wonderful private clients, and hectic schedule. And like it is when you first get back someplace, catching up on things and getting everything done. And then Wednesday, we had 14 students show up for core. And in the grind of seven cores, over the next 13 weeks. One, what we call virtual core. I do the training online where they can see everything by video. It's really powerful. And an equine facilitator intensive day falls during this time period. My speaker's boot camp falls during this time period. That's four days of fun with everybody learning how to speak on both podcasts, but stage, different types of mics, all that kind of thing. Maybe on it's a lot that. of fun. Yeah. No, you're yeah. too no, you're too distracting for me. You could if you want. That would be a good one for you actually. So yeah, core was great. We had three brand new students. You met them, didn't you? Oh yeah. It's great. Always great to meet the new students. Yeah, just brand new in. So it kind of an even mix. We had three that it was their first live training with me, and we had three who it was their last live training. So it was kind of fun. They took their final exams, and I haven't graded them yet. They're sitting on my desk, but I will. And uh, I know all three of them, I'm sure, did brilliantly with that. They've been really great students, so it's been kind of fun. So what do you what do you do with the core? You know, core is 
the same and different every time, if that makes any sense at all. Kind of depends on the 14 students that are with me, exactly what questions are asked and kind of the theme of the core or maybe the theme of the personal work that people do. And this particular one, I would say was a pretty deep and, and heavy core. We had one of the students who's pretty far along in the program. I think she's a junior or a senior. She had lost her brother less than a month ago to an overdose. And he was her little brother, her younger brother, grown man, but her younger brother. And she was devastated. She's in deep grief and pain. And through the work that I do, I have some specific methodology that helps people bring not closure because nobody wants closure when they're in grief, but brings more of a sense of peace and completion to this part of the journey with them. And so she and I kicked off the whole thing with that piece, which of course kind of tenderized everybody else, right, for the weekend. And it kind of went from there into people being able to look at what they've gone through in their life. One of my brand new students who I just adore, she's gone through a lot in her life. And I just met her and I realized what would probably benefit her the most was to really look with me at what I think of as a lifeline. So what was it like when she was in her mother's womb? Was she born into a family that wanted her and appreciated her? And she was. And a family that was I'll say on the rails when she was born and when she was little. And then like a lot of families, things started happening and the family went off the rails and she had trauma after trauma after trauma the rest of her life, uh, led her into substance abuse, led her into loss of different people in her life and just a lot of tragedy and sadness and suicide and loss. And here she stood midlife deciding to not only be sober, she's been sober over a hundred days, but also apply herself to utilizing some of that trauma, healing from it. And then as Robin Roberts says on ABC, make her mess her message. And she's going to do beautifully in our program. And we're here to support her as well as learn from her, to be honest, around her life. So that that kind of work is what we were accomplishing all weekend. Big, big, heavy, life-changing work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And all of our students who were coaching did a great job. The, the way that we set it up is I have them come and decide as they're starting where they want to go in a vision, right? So they do that with their coach in the program. When they come to core, they're learning the methodology of equine gestalt coaching. And in order to do that, I don't think you could be a great lifeguard if you don't know how to swim. So they do their personal work. They clear all the trauma that they've had in their own lives and they do their own personal work. They do that with me and as the students move through the program, once they're into about their third core, they begin coaching others in the group, the same group of 14, under my supervision. So I end up really interceding into almost every piece until it's somebody that's ready to graduate, which I love. I love watching the students learn, stepping up there the first time. And it's nerve wracking for them because not only are they attempting to do something that I've done for 38 years that I do so well. They're attempting their own baby steps into that, but they're doing it in front of their peers and in front of their mentor. So my hat's off to them. They really, really takes courage to step in there and say, yep, I want this and this is how we learn. I also feel that 
the way, I call it a rolling floor. So out of the 14, like I said, I had three wrapping up, three brand new. The rest were somewhere in the middle. Most had done two of the five live cores with me. And when you are brand new and you, this would be true for anything in life, not about me, but anything in life. If you're brand new, I'll take it away from what I do and onto golf. If you're brand new at golfing and you watch somebody who's a professional golfer and they make it look simple and easy and swift and fluid and beautiful and powerful. And then they turn around as your, <laughs> as your teacher and coach and they go there, do that. That's scary. That's hard. And the students can't expect themselves to do it like the professional. And so having the other students who are only maybe halfway through the program do really, really well, I think for the newbie, it gives them a lot of hope because they see me work and that's a little intimidating, I'm sure. Then they see somebody who's been with me maybe a year of training and a couple of live cores and they get up there and they do a really nice job. I mean, it has to give them hope, right? Yeah. I mean, and then they probably collaborate with one another saying, you know, I was in your shoes just a they year do. ago. Yeah. yeah, they do. They do. They give each other a lot of inspiration and and pretty normal. We had one of our new students. She's here from Ireland. I adore her already. And she came for what we call foundation last week, then core this week, and she's in another core next week so that she can do this program in two trips from Ireland rather than six trips from Ireland. Makes a lot more sense for her and and for us too. And she at first, in the beginning of this core, she was like a beautiful child who just kind of said, I'm going to turn my toys in now. (laughs) I'm not going to try to do this. I can't learn to do this. And I've seen so many students kind of hit that early wall. And I get it. And the beauty is all the rest of the people that were in the group said, wow, I remember feeling like that. I remember looking at this work like that, wanting it so badly and wanting to do it well, and then wondering how am I going to get there from where I am now? And uh, she's going to be phenomenal. I just adore her already. And and when you and I go to Ireland next year, we're actually going to see her in Ireland. Well, that'll be great just yeah. to see her here and then yeah. know her. Before we go there, instead of showing up and saying, hey, we are us. Well, we wouldn't do that. Yeah, (laughs) you're kind of a nut. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. So on a personal note, our youngest son in Houston and his beautiful wife, Paula, they bought their first home and they moved in over this week. They moved in a week ago, not even a week ago. And where are they today? 
Ireland. <laughs> They're in Ireland. They're doing a friend of theirs wedding. Paula's an amazing stylist and she's been flown over there with Kevin to Ireland for this wedding to do all the bridesmaids and the bride's hair and all her accoutrements. So, you know, congratulations, Paula. And Kevin, to make this beautiful international trip and have so much fun. He's going to a castle while he's there, while she's doing all the gals up for their wedding. And so they have they have quite the candied life. Yeah, so it's good to be a sidekick. You know, he's her sidekick. Right. He gets to go on the trip. Yeah. Yeah. What are and you trying same, to say? Same with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're my sidekick. You're a good sidekick, I'll say. One of our granddaughters is finishing art school in Portland, finishing her semester as a freshman in art school uh, in Portland. She's an amazing artist. Her twin sister is in Brazil, mountain bike racing and knocking it out of the park there. And her older sister, their older sister is in Spain. So we're quite the international family right now. Yeah. Yeah. So and we're at home. Yeah. And we're at home <laughs> taking care of everything here. So yeah, it's wonderful to see, you know, the globe is a, is all a family. It's all one, right? Core was fantastic, and this is the weekend when we're recording this of the Kentucky Derby, and Dane has this barn that is his, that is a, he calls it a man cave, but it's actually an incredibly high-functioning, well-organized uh, shop that he builds everything for the ranch and does everything for the ranch and houses one of our work trucks and our mower and that kind of thing, but also all of his tools and all the things that he uses for his work. And he's put a television in there and a couple of lazy boy chairs and a bunch of other chairs. So it's ever since COVID, it's been fun to hang out with that because that's kind of where we hung out with people when we needed to stay really far apart. Don't forget the dusty workout equipment. And the dusty workout equipment. True, true. All of our students come in going, oh, you have such nice workout equipment. We look at each other. Oops. <laughs> We're not very good at using it ourselves. However, you did a very nice thing for the group. Um, we, a number of us wanted to watch the hour before the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Derby itself. And so you provided really good veggie trays and fruit plates and chip and dip salsa and all of that for us and some wine coolers and some non-alcoholic stuff and some beer. And everybody, uh, when we were done with CORE on Saturday, we came over to your man cave and had a wonderful hour and a half together, just all of us together having fun and watching uh, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, always welcome anybody that comes out to our ranch to spend some time in the man cave and just sort of chill out yeah. and get to know one another. Yeah, 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 it's a lot of fun. And one of our students from this same group of 14, her name is Ashley Leary, and she actually works in security protection of horses in the racing industry. She does it for our Colorado racing park, Arapaho, but she's a big deal. You got a chance to hear all the things she's oh, done. Yeah. She's done Churchill Downs and she really understands it. And her job yeah. is to make sure no one goes near the racehorses that isn't supposed to go near them. So they're safe and not susceptible to a bribery, bribing a vet to shoot them full of drugs or, you know, whatever, all the crazy things that happen in racing. Yeah, she was uh, hired by the Breeders' Cup just recently. Yes, right? she was, which is really really huge. Last year, she was security 
security, uh, horse security, equine security for the Breeders' Cup. And she brought me actually the stall sign of this horse that I was crazy about for that. And um, I still have that. And I love that. I love the fact that she did that and gave that to me. And she told us a lot of really great stories about behind the scenes, what goes on. She knows the jockey who won the Kentucky this year and was talking about what deserving jockey he was and and is and just what a great guy he is and all of that. So really, really fun to have that party and have everybody get together. And after three kind of tough days of the work that I do, they came together and had a chance to laugh and have some fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, really a good time. So those who have been listening to my podcast on a regular basis might notice that I sound a little off today. And I want to tell you why I sound a little off. I think my voice is an octave lower and I'm sounding less joyous than I usually do. This morning, Amanda was out feeding and she noticed that our little miniature donkey, Bitsy, was not eating and her legs were trembling. She's older and she didn't want to really go on any longer. We called our vet and the vet came out and helped us put her down. And she was extremely hard for all of us. She kind of was a lot of the heart of our herd. And I have so many beautiful memories of this little soul. She came to me a long time ago because I had a little miniature Frisian named Pepper that I had given to my daughter Molly when she was eight years old, gave him to her on Easter morning, filled his mane and his tail. He literally was a little tiny, 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 tiny Frisian and did all of his black mane and tail up in Easter colored ribbons and all of that and gave him to her on Easter morning. And he became a really good friend to my daughter as she was growing up. And then long past when she went off to college and and was forming her adult life, he was with me here on the farm. And when we had our smaller farm before we moved here, we lived in Boulder. And the acreage was fenced in a way that, and the gate and the road and everything was fenced off, that it was fine for him just to wander loose on the property with our two alpacas. So the horses are all in and, and, and in their stalls and runs and paddocks, but the rest of them, they could wander around. And I felt like I wanted to have another miniature for Pepper to have companionship. So I went on a quest. My trainer, Mark Gwynn, and his wife told me about this lady who had these miniature donkeys, and she was trying to get her herd uh, sized down. So we thought, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to go look. There were two little donkeys, Bitsy and another one, tied to a fence as I pulled onto the property. And the lady said, both of these are up for rehoming. And the little male, the little, he, he was still a jack, was adorable. I could tell he was a little Dennis the Menace type, which is usually the type I go for. He had a lot of personality. He was already digging a little hole tied to the fence. And I could tell he was going to be a monkey and a half, but a lot of fun. And then Bitsy stood with her face parallel to the pole and just stood there stoically, very quiet, very polite, 
but very quiet. So I, I kind of was gravitating toward the little guy. So the lady went in the house to get the papers on both of them. She brings the papers out. I look at his, then I look at hers. The name of my ranch for the last 40 years has been Lil Bit North, and her name was Lil Bit. Spelled the right way, everything. So I love signs from the universe. So I said, I think she's ours. I think she's who we who we have. And so we brought her home, actually stopped off at my mom's house. She was in her 80s, and I knew she'd enjoy meeting Bitsy for a moment. And so I brought her right into her front foyer and into her living room (laughs) for like two minutes so she could meet my mom and kind of see the house. She thought it was her new barn. She was pretty excited for a while. And then uh, brought her home. And you remember when she got home that she, I think the other animals were making fun of her long ears. They were doing something. They were doing something because she'd run down to one paddock fence and she'd kick out with her hind legs and squeal. And then she'd run over to another barn and she'd kick out. She was having a little temper tantrum everywhere. She was looking for the fellow long ears. And I finally went out on this big deck. That's, I think, when you started calling me Dr. Doolittle. And I said, hey, all of you out over this place real loud. I said, stop making fun of her ears right now. I love this little being. She's part of our family. Stop it. And they all stopped. And she calmed down, was like, thank you for doing that. And uh, pretty soon we looked out and Pepper and Bitsy were together 24-7. They never left each other's sides. They were just adorable. The little Frisian, Pepper sadly died of a heart attack. And he did so the morning of one of my core trainings. And so the whole circle of humans, we were all around his little body and memories of him were being spoken and tears were being shed. And we're all there while he's laying on the ground and he had, he was older. And so we were all blessed him well to go over the rainbow bridge and rest in peace. And Bitsy broke into the circle right next to me and between me and another person just kind of butted her way in, went right down to Pepper, put her mouth on his mouth and then turned around and left. And all of us really sobbed then because it was like a goodbye kiss to her husband. It was just, it was just so sad. So she lived with the alpacas then for a while longer. We moved out here. We moved out here, I think, eight years ago now, right? Eight years ago this coming July. So we moved out here. And right before we moved out, the year, I think, before we moved out here, Boulder, Colorado, where we lived, had a thousand-year flood, one of the worst floods that Colorado's ever seen. And a friend of mine, Stacia, called me in the middle of the flood. How's your barn? Are you guys okay? I said, so far, the barn's on dry ground. We're okay. Our home is okay. Dane's working on building a a breach of the pond so it won't flood anything. And, you know, we were in a mess. And she said, I'm calling because I have a crisis with an animal. She said, I have this beautiful little miniature mule and she's stranded on an island and somebody has tied all four of her feet together, abusing her. And I believe we can catch her and could we bring her to your place? And I didn't hesitate. I said, absolutely. Never seen a miniature mule, but bring her on. So she loaded her in a trailer. I still to this day don't know how because she's wild and brought her to our place, opened the back of the trailer and out jumps this adorable wild little mule. And we named her Grace. I was hoping 
naming her Grace would maybe, <laughs> maybe bring her some Grace. That didn't work. It didn't work. She'd been, she has been so abused that we said to her, listen, if you let our farrier trim your feet once in a while and you're willing to get a shot in the neck once a year, we'll leave you alone. You don't have to do anything else. You can live a great life. And she's been pretty good about it. But the key to Grace was Bitsy. So I don't think that Bitsy was interested in bonding with Grace. I want to be really clear. I don't think Bitsy had much of an interest in Grace in any way. But Grace hired on to be Bitsy's bodyguard and protector. And for all these years, for nine years now, Grace has been by Bitsy's side 24-7. And when we need to catch Grace, we simply put a halter and lead on Bitsy, bring Bitsy into the barn. Grace trots in behind her. We push Bitsy's body against the barn wall using Bitsy's body pushing Grace's body against the barn wall. And that's how we get a halter on her. And then she stands quietly for the farrier as long as Bitsy's standing right there next to her. We got a problem, Houston, because now without Bitsy, I don't know how we're going to handle Grace. We'll, we'll work on it. We definitely will work on it. And she'll be home with us no matter what, but we're hoping she'll bond to one of our other littles. So today, beyond the boohooing and bawling that I was doing, Amanda was doing, Gabe was doing, and certainly Dane was doing because Bitsy was just this incredible little little being. The rest of today has been sad because Grace is out there braying. I've never heard Grace bray before, running from one gate to the next. When the tallower took Bitsy's body, we have a well, so we couldn't bury her here, and uh, took Bitsy's body. Grace is just losing her mind. So it's a sad day here at Little Bit. I will say that I believe animals have these incredible understandings of us, of humans, that goes beyond anything that man or woman has yet to put in words. And that's who Bitsy became for me. She knew my heart. If I was happy, she was trotting around. If I was sad, she was by my side and it never failed. And one of the most graphic days that I remember was I had left my daughter, Molly, in the Nebraska Medical Center. We all knew it was getting close to the end. I had to come back to Denver and her husband had to go back to California for 48 hours. But that 48 hours turned a corner for Molly and I got a phone call before I was getting ready to do my training. And I got a phone call that there was nothing more they could do. I needed to come to Nebraska. She had taken a deep step toward leaving. And I walked out of the back door to tell the people who were there that I was not staying. I was flying to Nebraska and they knew what was going on, but I, they didn't know the timing of it all. So I walked out, huge tears, huge pain, and I'm walking in silence and here comes Bitsy from five acres away, trotting as fast as her little legs could carry her. And she buried her face in me and I wept. She's the first one I wept on before Dane got to my side. So she just was an incredibly special animal for me. Um, one more Bitsy story and then I'll, I'll let y'all go. But she literally would come into the arena when I was teaching. And after she worked on the energy field and the chakras of all the students walking around the backs of their chairs and all, she'd come into the center of the circle. And then so, so slowly, might take her a full 10 minutes to do this. She'd turn her hind end to me and she'd start gently backing up until she could feel her back legs against my knees. And then she'd continue 
so slowly to continue to back up, back up, back up, back up until her hind legs were off the ground and she was literally sitting on my lap. Wow. <laughs> Just so sweet. And she'd sit there and I'd pet her and scratch her back and she'd be like, I'm mama's girl. So we are for ever going to miss Bitsy and just won't be the same around here without her. And we'll give you an update on how Grace is doing. She went to her other mini donk uh, who belongs to a friend of ours, Sandy, but is living here. And she went over to Tiny, who's this very loving mini donk. She went over to him like, well, can I be your friend? But he has a little miniature horse who's his friend. And that little mini said, oh, hell no, you may not have my mini donk. So they'll work it out. But right now, Grace is on her own. Archer's not letting Tiny bond to Grace. So we'll see as the ranch turns how these guys work all this out. For you guys who have had to say goodbye to animals, you know where my heart is and how hard this is. And um, thank you. I can feel it even through the microphone right now that when people hear this, they'll be moved and um, just know that these animals are so precious and they do a lot for us while they're here on earth. And I hope Bitsy's gone over the Rainbow Bridge and met with every horse and animal that I've lost in my lifetime. So we want to thank Hope Through Horses for their partial sponsorship of our podcast. I want to thank you, baby, for doing this with me. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of tearful. Tearful. Yeah. You've got those tears in your eyes. I love that about you. So yeah, we're having a blue day. A little bit north, but we'll be back with you again. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303 303- Four four zero seven one two five. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.